Well, good morning. Well, it sounded like it was almost a good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. That's much better. It is good to be back with you. Uh, Kristen mentioned that the Boykin family had gone on a vacation um, last weekend, and we were able to take about three days and able to pull our little group together, our little clan of four people, and organize and orchestrate and get our calendars lined up and go out of town for three days. We had a great time. Um, It was very relaxing, uh, full of adventure, full of relaxation, full of kids in the back seat. No matter how old they get, there are kids in the back seat. (laughs) But it was fun. We had a great time. We went up to, um, we left on Thursday night and drove as far as LaGrange. I don't know if you saw Leanne's post on Facebook. She showed us leaving uh, Mobile at 10, no, 9.45 at night, uh, driving to LaGrange. It was great timing, um, which is 10.45 LaGrange time. So we get up there about 2 in the morning. And I fall out of the car, fall in the bed and sleep. And then we um, get up the next morning and we race to Tennessee, to Ducktown, Tennessee, to get in a a whitewater raft and launch down the lower of the Koei River. Have many ever been um, whitewater rafting before? A few? Ah, good many, good many, good. We, it was a tremendous experience. I've been several times. This was Jess and Ellie's first experience on whitewater, and the Akoe, Lower Akoe is a great introductory uh, piece of a river. Um, five miles, it drops about 2,000 feet in the course of five miles. So it, it, you have some pretty good rapids along the way, class fours, threes, maybe one or two fives. But it's good. It's very good. I highly recommend it if you haven't been. Um, we also, after that, we went to um, Duluth, um, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, to go to one of Jess's favorite computer stores in Duluth, and to go to his favorite restaurant. It's a Korean barbecue restaurant. Have you ever been to, who's been to Korean barbecue before? Good. More of this service than the last service. It, um, it, it's, it's different. If you think about the melting pot, if you've been to a melting pot, same, or um, fondue, same kind of thing, but you don't have oil or water in front of you. You have an open flame and a, and a grill um, on your, at, your, at your table. And you cook your meat. And it's all you can eat. So Jess and I love Korean barbecue. We ate until we, I, we ate for two and a half hours. We just set up camp, um, and we had all the sauces and the radishes and the, and the salad and the rice, and, and it was just fantastic. And we ate, and I didn't eat anything for another day and a half. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, but, you know, when I think about these experiences of um, whether it's Korean barbecue or, or whitewater rafting, they're hard to describe. I mean, I can tell you, um, you know what it's like climbing into the boat um, on this inflatable raft. It seats about six or seven people. Um, we had five in our boat. We had a guide and the four of us. And we put Ellie and Jess up front because this was their first trip. And we wanted them to have the full experience. And they did. I smiled the whole way down the river. But it's hard. It really is. I don't have the vocabulary. I don't know if any of us really have the vocabulary to articulate and be able to share the experience of a whitewater trip. It's just there's too much going on that impacts all of our senses. 
And I don't know if you can put that into words. I mean, when you, when you get into the, when you step into that river, the Ocoee River on the lower, you can hear the rapids down river. It's a roar. And the very first time I went many years ago, that was the scariest moment for me was to hear that roar, not having done it before, knowing that something I had never experienced was in front of me. And I almost didn't want to get in the boat. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. The water's cold. I'm good. I've seen it. I've heard it. But you get in the boat, and after about six or eight paddle strokes, you're in the first gate of the rapid, and it just launches you. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. In the first service, I asked people to kind of turn to their neighbor and talk about something that they had experienced. Talk about whitewater, your, your whitewater experience. What was it like? And people came up with things like, well, it was frightening. It was wet. It was cold. Somebody fell out of a boat and, and the guide fell out of the boat. Somebody fell out of a boat and broke their bone. They broke a leg. These things happen. It's like a roller coaster with no safety harness. There's no, there's no net. This is it's dangerous. But man, is it fun. It is so much fun. And so if you think about this experience of, of going down this river, and you, you, they tell you what's coming up. Okay, we have, a, uh, we have another rapid coming up. This is a class four. This is called Broken Nose Rapid because somebody fell out of a boat and broke their nose on that rock. Well, that's good to know. And the guy's telling you, two strokes on the left, left twice, right twice, all forward, all forward twice, twice. And so you're paddling. You're just in the thick of it, and you're, you're giving it all you can to make sure you hit the gate just right to get through this rapid safely. Well, we were going through one of the rapids, and the boat just went up on its end. And Leanne, who was across from me, fell into me. And Ellie lost her grip, and she fell in towards Jess. And me and Jess were, I, I thought that was it. Here we go. We're going over. We'll be fighting this, the rest of this thing down on our, on our life preservers. But no, the, the, the raft corrected itself fell back down, we got back in place, kept paddling. Well, that, that's the best I can do to describe what that's like. When the water first hits you, and that coldness hits you, and it's wet, and it's just surprising, and all that fear that you start out with turns into exhilaration and adrenaline, and you just get into survival mode. It's hard to describe. There's no way for me to fully articulate what it was like to go down that river in the, in the calm between rapids and to feel the breeze blowing in my face and to feel that wind coming off that cold water. And it felt like it was about 60 degrees. And I thought back, well, I just left Mobile and it was about 180 degrees. And man, it feels so good. I could just live right here in the middle of this river. It felt wonderful. How do you fully experience that? Other than to get in the boat, to go down the river, to take somebody who's never been down the river with you, to let them experience it, to see that fear in their eyes turn to elation, to turn to surprise and to just giddy fun. 
That's what our picture, and they take your picture when you go down there, there's one particular rapid, and they take everybody's picture. Well, they took our picture there, and, and we were all just beaming, just beaming. But this was four or five rapids into the trip. We, they should get it on the first rapid. When everybody's like, oh my gosh, we're all going to die. Been nice knowing you. But it's the experience. And the Korean barbecue is the same way. I can't tell you how good that... I mean, I could try to tell you what beef bulgogi was like. And, and, and oh, my, one of my favorites was, was pork belly. That was phenomenal. But I can't. I mean, I, there's no way. I just, you, have to, you have to taste it. You have to taste and see what it's like. And I want you to hang on to that this image of, of, of an experience, whether it's whitewater rafting or if it's a Korean barbecue or a melting pot or, or skydiving or, or whatever it is. Something that you would struggle to articulate with words. But the experience of it that attacks all of your senses, it engages all of your senses. Hang on to that. Because our scripture passage today is exactly that. It's about the experience. You know, Kristen came up with this wonderful sermon series called Taste and See, and we've been making our way through it. And this is the fourth of the four-week um, uh, element of this series. We've talked about um, the different pieces of, of food and animals and sacrifice and communion and table fellowship with one another, how Christ kind of opens all of this up. And he begins to, to you know, he talks about, um, in the, in the, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus kind of welcomes everyone, whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever condition they're in, to the table. He comes into the sinner's house, the taxpayer's house, and he shares a meal with them. And this was unheard of. This was a barrier that was not to be crossed. But when he crossed that barrier and opened up the table to everyone, he invited the world to taste and to see that the Lord is good. When we share communion together, which we will do in just a few moments, we in the United Methodist Church understand this is an open table that all are welcome to come and taste and see that the Lord is good because all are welcome to receive God's grace, God's forgiveness, and God's love. It's an open table. We talked a little bit about um, a couple of weeks ago about animal sacrifices and the sacrificial system in the ancient Jewish religion and how Christ comes. To offer the perfect, complete sacrifice for all. So that all can taste and see God's redemption. So that all can taste and see God's atonement with humanity. We can talk about faith. We can talk about religion. We can talk about our own conversion experiences. We can talk about our baptisms and our family's baptisms. But the world out there, they'll hear it. And it'll help. 
but it's the experience, that invitation to experience God's grace, God's love, and God's forgiveness. That is the world's hunger. People are hungering for grace, for love, and forgiveness. Jesus understood that. And he speaks of it in Matthew chapter 25. His disciples, this is the the fifth and final discourse in the Gospel of Matthew. And his disciples have asked Jesus, tell us Jesus, teacher, when will these things happen? When will the end come? You you speak of these, these stones of the temple being toppled one over the other. When will this happen? What will be the sign? What are we to do? How are we to live into this end? And he spends two chapters of this discourse laying out the signs, the fall of the temple, the persecutions that will come to the faithful, the wars and the rumors. And he arrives in chapter 25 and he offers two parables about the kingdom of heaven. And then he gets into these verses, 31 through 46, which are not really a parable. It's more of an apocalyptic drama. And so I invite us to hear these words again. These are probably very familiar words to us. I invite you to just close your eyes and hear the drama. Just be comfortable where we are. And hear Jesus teaching what it means to be the faithful as the end arrives. As we live out this life, in this world, in this time, in our time. What does it look like? Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are cursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, 
Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And may God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. We've been you know, making our way through this sermon series, and we've, every Sunday we've had a, a little different brunch in our coffee break room with the donuts in the, in the parlor. But this week we've kind of switched it up. We kind of moved from a taste and see all these good things at brunch for three weeks. And now we are moved into this week, into a, an opportunity, an invitation for those who are hungry to taste and see that God is good. So we've been bringing, we've been invited to bring cans of, of meat or peanut butter and some cleaning supplies for the, for the clients of the Joseph Project. And we're familiar with the Joseph Project. It's a powerful ministry. Powerful ministry. And if you've ever volunteered at the Joseph Project, you know what it's like in those hallways. You can can see the joy on people's faces. You can see the pain in their eyes. And you can even hear them some of the sobs that come when they begin to share their stories. There is a lot going on in the halls of the Joseph Project. And it can get awfully messy. When you begin to think about all the pain, all the hurt, the hunger, the need that is passing through those hallways. And it's those who sit side by side across the table who are handing food and walking it to their cars and sharing stories and listening and seeing and experiencing the pain and the hurt and the brokenness in this world. It's awfully hard to describe. If you've worked there, if you've volunteered in the Joseph Project, you know what I'm talking about. You can share stories, but the experience of it all can only be lived. That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. That the hunger of the world, the pain of the world, the brokenness of this world, where there is thirst, where there is hunger, where there is pain, where there is weakness and illness, where there is imprisonment and bondage, we can talk about it. And we can do our level best to describe it. But the way to fully understand it is to be in the thick of it to sit side by side, somebody going through it, to sit across the table, to walk with them in that life, in that hunger and in that pain. That's what the Joseph Project does twice a month as they give food to people who are hungry, as they extend a hand to people who need just a little help, just to bridge some gaps. That's a powerful thing that this church does. So I encourage you, if you haven't already, support the Joseph Project. Bring cans of meat. Bring peanut butter. Bring food. Bring money. Bring whatever. Bring your body into those hallways to experience these wonderful and powerful stories and lives. To experience 
the church reaching out to this world that's around us to offer an invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. Because that's what's happening. This is, this is a powerful thing for me in this passage because here Jesus is telling his disciples as they want to know how to live. How do we, how do we live out this life even before you come and as you come back? How do we live? And Jesus explains to them that he's been experiencing the pain and the hunger and the thirst and the imprisonment and the, all that binds and holds humanity down. All the brokenness. Jesus is there identifying with that hurt, with that condition. He hungers with those who hunger. He feels the pain of those who are sick and imprisoned. Jesus has come into the midst of, of humanity to identify with its most broken and most weak condition and state. And he has so identified with that experience that the breath and the breathing and the heartbeat and the thoughts of those who hurt becomes the heartbeat and breath Jesus Christ. That's how in tune and experiential Jesus is identifying with humanity. And we, as we reach out to those who hurt, those who are in need, those who are hungry and thirsty, we are reaching out not just to those who are hungry, not just our neighbor who is in need, but we're reaching out to Christ. Because Christ has identified so intimately with the hurt of our world can't offer food to only the hungry because we offer it also to Christ. That is a powerful understanding of this gospel. And we really cannot identify, we can't describe that kind of experience other than living it. To be in the world, to experience and understand the needs that are out there. The hunger that is out there. Because that is precisely what Jesus did for all of us. He came to understand our need. Our hurt. Our weakness. And to create a way out of it. To create a way forward. So as we kind of think about, so what does it mean to experience as Christ experienced? There's a, a wonderful book by a guy named Wilbur. And he, um, he has this, uh, an experience. And it's called the one, two, three God. And what he, what he does is invites us into a, an experience of, of, of ways of seeing and experiencing an image of God that's personal to us. To each and every one of us as individuals. And so what I want to do is I want to invite you to get comfortable. Put both feet on the floor. Be, create a space for yourself. Be comfortable. Don't, you don't need to be touching anybody. Hands to yourself. Put your feet on the floor. Your hands in your lap. Be comfortable. And just close our eyes. And just be in this moment. 
I invite you to take a deep breath in and let that out. I invite you again to to breathe in God's love and breathe breathe out all that is fearful and anxious. And I want you to take a moment just to imagine a place for you that you... That is, that is God's creation, a powerful, grand image of God. Maybe it's a mountainscape. Maybe it's a, a vista from a mountain. Or it's the ocean or the gulf. Maybe it's a river. Maybe it's the galaxies and the cosmos. But get that image in your mind. See it. See it move. Hear it. All the sounds of this creation. Now take a deep breath in. Breathe in God's love. And breathe out all the anxiety and fear. And now I want you to imagine Jesus. What does Jesus look like to you? And maybe it's easier to imagine someone who has loved you, loved you dearly, unconditionally, offered you signs and words of grace, love, and peace. Capture that person in your mind. Let them sit right in front of you. See their face. See their hands and their arms. See how they move. See how they speak. Listen to the words that they say. See how they see you. With love and grace. With compassion. Now take a deep breath in. Breathe in God's love. And exhale all the fear and anxiety. And take that person who's in front of you and move them till they are over your head. And they see out. They see the world. And you begin to see as they see. You breathe the air they breathe. Your heartbeats begin to match. You begin to think as they think. You begin to speak as they speak. You understand as they understand. You feel as they feel. Your heart and mind are one. Take a deep breath in of God's love and breathe out the anxiety and fear. And go outside in your mind with that image of Christ leading the way. How do you see the stranger from last week? How do you see your neighbor? How do you see someone who's made you quite angry and somebody you don't understand? Let us see with Christ's eyes. Let us hear with Christ's ears. Let us breathe with Christ's breath. Let us feel with Christ's senses. And let us move with Christ's feet into the world to invite the world to taste and see that God is good.
Let us take a deep breath of God's love and exhale. And let us come back together as the community of faith, the church, to begin to see the world as Christ sees the world. Let us begin to understand as Christ understands the world a mass of need and hunger. And let us be like Christ and identify with the experience of the hungry and the thirsty, the imprisoned, the sick, and the broken. And let us offer the world an invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.